Well, how's your Christmas shopping going? I don't know if you've noticed, but the shops are, are gearing up for Christmas. Might seem early, but in actual fact, it's only 82 days until Christmas. So there you go. Um, a big part of sort of traditional Christmas celebrations is the giving of, of gifts, isn't it? Um, it's probably too early, really, to ask how you're getting on with, with buying your presents. Um, but let me ask a slightly different question, and that is, are you gifted? Um, you see, today's passage uh, in, in 1 Peter is about gifts. And uh, in everyday speech, if you say that someone is gifted, then you tend to mean that they have outstanding ability. You, you tend to think in terms of someone who's precociously talented. Uh, you think of perhaps a Mozart or a, an Einstein. You know, they were gifted, precociously talented people. Or if you're thinking in terms of, say, the realms of football, well, when I was a boy, Pelé was the, the most gifted footballer uh, of the time. Nowadays, it would probably be Messi or Ronaldo or, or someone like that. But they are particularly gifted. Um, and if you think in terms of being gifted like that, then I'm sure none of us would consider ourselves to be gifted. We're, we're not like that. We're not in that league, are we? We're not in, in, those, in those realms. But the Word of God makes it clear that every believer in Christ is gifted. Now, sadly, since the, the rise of the charismatic movement, gifts among believers has really become, um, a, 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 rather than being a cause for thankfulness and rejoicing, it's become a matter of debate and, and sometimes almost uh, open hostility. Um, regrettably, you know, there have been far too many examples from, from both sides of the debate of ungracious attitudes and, and behaviour. And that's really a very sad irony because in the passage that we're considering uh, now, Peter speaks of, of believers uh, being gifted and he does so in the context of believers loving and serving one another. You remember uh, last time we were in Peter, which wasn't so long ago, actually, um, but we were thinking about one anothering. Um, there in verses 9 to 10, Peter exhorted us to keep loving one another and to show hospitality to one another and to serve one another. And as Peter continues his letter, he makes it clear that we are equipped to, to, to serve one another because we've been gifted to serve one another. So in verses 10 and 11, we find that he went on to say, As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion for ever and ever. 
Amen. So he's talking there about having received a gift. And that Greek word that's been translated as gift uh, is, is charisma. Uh, and that comes from the Greek word charis, which is the Greek for grace. So Peter's saying that the gifts that believers have are not merely natural abilities, but they are specifically the result of God's grace, sometimes referred to as spiritual gifts. And that they are the result of God's grace, of course, has important implications and some of those implications are, are highlighted in what Peter has to say in this passage so in connection with, with spiritual gifts uh, in these verses we'll note uh, some points about gifts some principles for the exercising of gifts and the purpose of gifts so firstly from verse 10 we're going to note eight points about gifts don't worry, they are short points. <laughs> so point one, every believer is gifted. We see that because Peter says, as each has received a gift. And by each there, he means each believer in Christ. He's saying that every believer has a gift. And the implication is that every believer has a gift from the moment of their new birth. As soon as they become a believer, they, they have a gift. From the moment of their new birth and coming to faith in Christ. Now, if gifts were something that you have to wait to acquire or, or develop in your Christian life, it wouldn't be true to say that each has received a gift. Peter would have had to say, um, we would have had to refer to those of you who have received the gift so far. The fact is that, that even the youngest believer in Christ is gifted in some way. That's not to say that such a gift is, is fully formed immediately, um, or, or that it's uh, necessarily exercised straight away. But when someone is born of the Spirit, they receive a gift. Now you notice that the, that the text in our English translation speaks of a gift and that could make you think that Peter is saying one and one only that's your, that, that's your limit it sounds sort of like a Chinese birth control uh, regime doesn't it, that, that's not what it's saying it could give the impression that each believer is strictly rational to one gift but the Greek word here is indefinite and it really suggests at least one gift uh, indeed, when, when Paul speaks about spiritual gifts elsewhere, he envisages individual believers having more than one gift. Uh, you know, he, he encourages believers to, uh, to, to, to seek more gifts. So the first bullet point about gifts is that every believer is gifted. Next point to note is every gift has been received. Uh, you see that because Peter says as each has received a gift. Uh, if you look in Romans 12, verse 6, see there that Paul said, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So you see that our gifts have been received because they have come by grace, and that grace has been given to us. 
a couple of implications uh, stem from the fact that every gift has been received. Um, firstly, that it's been received tells us that it's not an innate ability. It's not something that you were born with. You know, there was a time when you didn't have it, and now you do. Uh, neither is it something you work hard to obtain. No, it's been, it's been received. Now, that's not to say that you won't have to work hard in, in exercising it. Um, it. It doesn't just work as if by magic. Uh, even the most gifted footballer uh, has to work hard in training, no matter how gifted he might be, if he's flabby and, and unfit, then his, effective will be very, his effectiveness will be very limited, won't it? Well, likewise, although spiritual gifts are received from God, that they need to be exercised, and that will involve effort. That they're received by God's grace means that there is no place for, for pride or, or boasting in the gifts that we have, and neither is there any place for envying the gifts that others have. Gifts are received from God by grace. The second implication really is that uh, the fact that gifts have been received tells us, um, tells us that it's something that you should be thankful for. If you receive a gift from, from someone, you thank them for it, don't you? Uh, even if it's not something you particularly want, uh, you, you thank them for it, if only out of politeness or in recognition of, of the thought behind it. Well, if you do that to people for, for, for earthly gifts, yet how thankful we should be uh, for any gift that, uh, for, from God, because his gifts are, are good and perfect. Third point. Every gift is to be used. See that? Because Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it. Uh, again, in, in Romans 12, verse 6, um, Paul went on there uh, to say, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, when you receive Christmas gifts or, or birthday gifts, I think they can they broadly fall into into three categories. Some of them are rubbish, and you either throw them away or give them away. <coughs> Needless to say, God's gifts aren't like that. Um, other gifts are things that are of, of sentimental value. You, you, you receive them gladly, uh, you, you cherish them, uh, you might carefully put them on display somewhere, or you might tuck them away somewhere for safekeeping. But again, that's not what God's gifts are like either. Other gifts are of a more practical nature, um, you know, might be a toolkit or a food processor or something and if you appreciate that gift you show your appreciation by using it you don't say that's a fantastic food processor I'm going to keep it in its box in the cupboard and never use it 
they're practical gifts that are to be used. And that is what God's gifts are like. He gives gifts that we are to use. They're not to be boastfully paraded. Um, neither are they to be hidden away and protected. Rather, they are to be put to good use. Fourth point. Every gift is for service. See that? Because Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Now that any such gift is to be used for service, well, that immediately tells us that we are to be servants. If we're using a gift to serve, then we are to be servants. So we haven't received gifts for our own glorification. We haven't received gifts to make us look good. We haven't received them so that we can congratulate ourselves on our abilities. Um, they're not even primarily given for our own benefit, our own, our own development. They are given to equip us to serve. And we see, uh, see, the, see the service that Peter has in mind uh, it is serving one another. That is, serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's for their benefit. It's for their good. So the body of Christ as a whole is built up. In what ways are we to serve one another? When you talk in terms of building up the body of Christ, your mind probably immediately turns to things like teaching or exhorting one another or, or perhaps encouraging one another and those definitely are ways uh, in which we we serve um, but when you look at the new testament for examples of of service you you also find things like providing meals visiting those in prison caring for the sick uh, providing financial support for those in need in short Service involves using our gifts to supply any needs that our, our brothers and sisters might have. Uh, Richard this morning was talking about serving and those little things, things that they're not a big deal, but acts of kindness, of thoughtfulness. That's as much serving as, as anything else. So we need to be uh, using our gifts uh, in serving one another. Fifthly, every gift brings responsibility. Christmas uh, presents or birthday presents are gifts that have been given to you and because of that they belong to you, that they're yours to do with what you will. So if you want to throw it in the bin you have every right to do so. Spiritual gifts aren't like that. You know, we see that to, to be the case because Peter says, use it to serve one another as good stewards. You know, in Peter's day, uh, a steward was the person in, in the household who was responsible for managing uh, the master's affairs. He was in charge of, of the money, the provision, and all the rest of it, he, he had to provide what was needed by the, by the members of the family. So we're not to think of ourselves as owning these gifts, 
Rather, we are stewards of them. We're using them. They've been entrusted to us, and we are using them on the Master's behalf, on God's behalf. We're using them for him. So these gifts aren't our own. We are stewards of any gifts that God has given. They don't belong to you, so they're not yours to do with as you please. They've been entrusted to you. So having a gift from God is not fundamentally uh, a privilege, it's rather a responsibility. Jesus told a number of parables, didn't he, about good stewards and, and bad stewards. Uh, good stewards were the ones who used what was entrusted to them wisely and properly and responsibly. And if we're to be good stewards, we're not only used the gifts that we've been, that have been entrusted to us, but also to be sure that we use them for their intended purposes. You know, we're not, it's not just that we've been given gifts so that we can serve one another when we fancy it. No, there's a responsibility to, to use those gifts. We are to, if, if we've received the gift, then we have a responsibility or an obligation to use it to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sixth point, every gift is undeserved. We see that because Peter says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We've already noted that, uh, that, that, the, uh, that, that every gift has been received. You know, there are lots of things that, that we receive because they're due to us, because we we deserve them. They're owed to us. You know, your salary, your pension, or, or whatever. But God's gifts are not earned. They're not a reward. Rather, they are sovereignly bestowed according to God's grace. And that being the case, there's even less reason to place any pride or, or to be boastful about any gifts we might have been given Instead, we should, there should be a humble acknowledgement that such gifts are not deserved. Neither, as, as we said before, is there to be any envy of the gifts that others might have received. Rather, there should be thankfulness to God for the provision that he's made uh, for the good of the body. Seventh point. Every gift is to be exercised graciously. And we see that because Paul says, as each gift, uh, sorry, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. You see, in serving one another, we're to use our gifts in the same way as we receive them. How did we receive them? Well, we've seen that these gifts are freely given, uh, undeservedly given by God's grace. And therefore, we are to graciously and freely exercise any gifts that we have to serve others. That means that we're not to require someone to be worthy or deserving of our service before we exercise any gifts for their benefit. It means we're not to expect payment or, or reward no, our use of gifts 
in serving others is to be an expression of God's grace. It should reflect the, the gracious way in which he gave them to us. Yeah, as we've freely received, so we are to freely give. Eighth and last point in first heading. Uh, every gift comes from a diverse range of gifts. And we see that because Peter says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Oh, if you are, again refer back to uh, refer back to, to, to Romans 12 verse 6, uh, Paul said, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So there's a wide variety of gifts. If you look in the New Testament, you'll find that there are five different lists of gifts uh, presented uh, in the New Testament. And what's noticeable is that no two of the lists are the same. Um, some gifts appear on a few of the lists, but none of the gifts appear on all of the lists. A lot of the gifts appear on only one of the lists. In total, there are, there are 22 different gifts that are mentioned and the fact that the, the lists are all different, I think, shows that they are illustrative. Uh, they, they're not comprehensive lists. You know, it's not, these are God's lists, uh, these are God's gifts, and you, you must have one of these. No, they're, they're, it's an illustration of the sorts of things uh, that, that you can be, the sorts of ways in which you, you can be gifted. So even when they're all taken together, it's not an exhaustive list. Rather, it, it highlights the diversity of God's gracious gifts. Uh, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So there's a huge array of potential gifts that you might have. Uh, what it is isn't what matters. It, it's what it's used for. It's the fact that it's God's provision for building up his people, for building up the church. So that's, that's eight important general points about spiritual gifts. And having seen that every believer is gifted and has a responsibility to use uh, their gifts to serve one another, and that there's a vast range of gifts, it's helpful to then move on in verse 11 uh, to, to find some principles for exercising gifts. You notice that having spoken of each believer using the gifts they've received to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, uh, Peter then goes on in verse 11 to say, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So Peter considers God's varied uh, grace can be divided between speaking gifts and serving gifts. He sees those two broad categories of, of gifts. Now we mustn't take that to suggest that serving gifts are serving one another and speaking gifts are 
for another purpose. We've already seen that all gifts are to enable us to serve one another. So speaking gifts are for serving one another just just as much as those that he refers to as as being serving gifts. All gifts are for the purpose of, of, of serving one another. The distinction that Peter's making here it isn't uh, to do with the aim of the gifts, they're all for serving one another. Rather, the, 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 that the distinction that he's, uh, that, that he's making here it is really on the basis of, of the functionality of the gifts. Some function by means of speech. Uh, others function by means of, of actions. So he's distinguishing between gifts of speaking uh, and gifts that, that don't primarily involve speaking. Now, when you look through the through the uh, the, the gifts that, that are listed on the various lists in the New Testament, you find that it's it's very clear that they fall into those two categories. So, for example, if you look at Romans twelve again, uh, verses six to eight, Paul says, "Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving." The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Well, you you can see, can't you, straight away, speaking gifts of prophecy, teaching, exhortation, serving gifts of contributing, leading, showing acts of mercy. So the the two categories are, are clear to see. Now, although Peter makes that distinction be- between speaking and serving gifts, notice that he doesn't do so in order to, to suggest that one is more important than the other. George Bernard Shaw famously, or perhaps infamously once said, those who can do, those who can't teach. And I'm sure that's a quotation that is universally loathed by, by the teaching profession. But perhaps... Uh, it does reflect a certain suspicion that, that some people tend to have. Now, we as evangelical Christians, I think, tend to go to the other extreme. You know, there, there can be a, a tendency, can't there, to put, put, put teachers within the church up on pedestals and, and view them as being especially gifted, especially exalted. The fact is that every gift is important. Every gifted Christian, and that's every Christian, is important and of great value to the body of Christ. Now Peter goes on to give principles for exercising gifts in each of those two categories. In the case of speaking gifts, we find that he says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Uh, the NIV translates that as, uh, as one who speaks the very words of God. Now, the, the Greek that's been translated uh, as oracles or, or the very words it, it is logia. And that really means utterance or, or, or saying. So Peter is referring to the, God, uh, to, to the words that God has spoken 
to men. In the first instance, that immediately tells us that having a speaking gift doesn't mean that you serve others by dispensing your own wisdom. What you say is subject to what God has said. Saying that those who have a speaking gift uh, are to speak as one who speaks oracles of God, or, or the very words of God, that could give the impression that, that Peter's saying that those who have a speaking gift uh, speak new revelation from God. It sounds as though he's saying that they're speaking words directly from him. Clearly that's not the case because uh, scripture is God's complete revelation. Well, does it then mean that perhaps uh, they're simply to, to quote scripture? Well, I don't think so because you don't have to be gifted to just quote scripture, do you? I think the meaning becomes a bit more clear when you realise that the text hasn't been translated particularly well. Uh, those words, one who speaks, aren't in the Greek text. The, the translators have, have added those words, uh, as translators sometimes do from time to time. Uh, a literal translation of the Greek would be, if anyone speaks as oracles of God or as the very words of God. So the idea is of speaking what is in keeping with what God has said. It's to be consistent with his utterances. It's to be uh, according to his word. So that immediately tells us that uh, a spiritual gift isn't autonomous, the, the, the logic isn't that if you are, if you use a spiritual gift, it follows that whenever you speak to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are inevitably serving them by building them up. The gift can only achieve that purpose insofar as it's in line with God's word. So someone might have a spiritual gift, but that doesn't mean to say that if they speak their own ideas or according to their own wisdom that their hearers are being served and built up if they are gifted they are to seek to speak in a way that reflects God's word uh, you, you can't say whatever you please and claim to be exercising a speaking gift the gift is under God's word so if you have a speaking gift it will drive you to God's word because that's what you want to relay that's what you want to reflect Moving on then to the case of, uh, of serving gifts, uh, we find that Peter says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Once again, the translators have added one who serves. The literal translation there would be, if anyone serves as of strength that God supplies. So as with, with speaking gifts, we see that serving gifts aren't autonomous either. The logic isn't that if you have a serving gift, it follows that you'll automatically serve your brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that, that builds up the body of Christ. No, it's in accordance to the strength that God supplies. Just as having a speaking gift doesn't give the speaker's words any particular authority, neither does having a serving gift make 
their acts of service effective. If you have a serving gift, you won't serve in your own strength. The gift doesn't give you the ability so much as as the disposition to to serve in God's strength. So the the principle for for exercising spiritual gifts, whether it be speaking or serving, is that they are to be exercised under God. Being gifted isn't to be endowed with with special abilities or special powers that, that work as if by magic. Rather, it's to be disposed to speak in accordance with God's revealed word or or to serve in dependence on the strength that he supplies. Well, finally, moving on to the second part of verse 11, uh, we see the purpose of gifts. Peter goes on to say, in order that, so he's telling us uh, that the purpose that lies behind God giving us gifts and us exercising them as he intends. We've already seen that the immediate purpose of the gifts that we've received is to serve one another so that the body of Christ is built up. However, that's not an end in itself. That's not the the ultimate purpose. Beyond that, Peter goes on to tell us the ultimate purpose of the gifts that we've received by saying, in order that in everything God may be glorified. And that follows quite clearly from, from what we've just been seeing, doesn't it? Since, uh, since the proper exercising of gifts isn't a display of, of human goodness or human ability, but of God's will and God's power, it's all to his glory. The, the NIV um, uses the word praised there, which, which suggests a, a vocal or a verbal expression, but but glorified is the correct translation. When when believers in Christ serve one another, it's to God's glory. He gets the credit. He gets the honour. Because he gave the gifts with which we serve. He provides the directions. He provides the power for exercising those gifts. And you notice that Peter doesn't say that God's glorified by us, He doesn't even say that God is glorified by our exercising the gifts that we've received. He said that God's glorified through Jesus Christ. Paul says uh, the same thing pretty much in in Romans uh, 16 verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. And you see, when, when believers properly exercise their gifts in loving one another and in serving one another, they are exercising gifts that Christ gave to his church uh, when he ascended following his death. Ephesians 4.8 says that when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And what was his purpose in giving those gifts? Well, according to Ephesians 4.12-13, it was to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. God is glorified by that work that is going on 
in the church. And that all stems from Christ's death on the cross. His triumph over sin, uh, shown by his resurrection, his giving of the Holy Spirit uh, as promised, and his giving of gifts to believers. Therefore, God is glorified through Jesus Christ. Everything in the Christian life revolves around Jesus, doesn't it? He died to save us. He sent the Holy Spirit to change us from one degree of glory to another. He's given us gifts so that we can serve one another. And he is most surely bringing us to glory. All of that brings glory to God because he so loved the world that he gave his son uh, so that all of, uh, all of that could be accomplished. It's through Jesus that we are brought to glory. And it's through Jesus that God is glorified. No wonder then that Peter uh, went on to close this section of the letter uh, by saying of Jesus, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And then he said, Amen. Well, hope you can all join together in saying Amen to that. Um, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, let's uh, close and sing a song that we've already uh, we, we, we had the rehearsal this morning. Um, let's stand now and sing from heaven you came, helpless babe. Because Jesus is out. We've been thinking in part about service, haven't we? And <coughs> Jesus is, is the perfect example of, of, of selfless serving. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.